Hello, Colorado. This is Philip Jordan with I Love Colorado Beer Podcast. I Love Colorado Beer is your home for beer gear, including t-shirts, koozie sweatshirts, hats, and much more. Just go to ilovecoloradobeer.com. Today on our show, we have Nathaniel from Big Choice Brewing. All right, I'm here with Nathaniel at Big Choice. Uh, good afternoon. This is Nathaniel with Big Choice. So, Nathaniel, when did the idea for Big Choice begin? You know, my, my business partner and longtime good friend, Tyler, and I started thinking about the idea as we were homebrewing. It was about the end of 2007, 2008, and um, when we decided that we were kind of ready to, to look at the feasibility of going ahead with an idea to open a small brewery with a tap room, um, it was right when Upslope opened in Boulder. Um, so both of us are, are Boulder natives, born and raised there, and originally, you know, that being home turf for us, we, we thought that would be a good idea, but since our focus was going to be packaging and not necessarily like food and a brew pub atmosphere, we decided that um, Boulder may not be the opportune place to do another packaging brewery. So when we when we started looking, growing up in Boulder, you know, anything still in Boulder County at that time, we felt was still kind of in the in the home area. We got a lot of family and friends around in here, and so we were looking kind of on the I, the Highway 36 corridor, and we always kind of felt that up until Sheridan on Highway 36 was still kind of in our area. And that's that's kind of what we started to target once we figured out that this is what we wanted to do. So when did you guys start Big Choice? Um, we actually leased the building that we're in right now in January of 2012. Um, and then I, we officially opened our doors on May 4th of 2012. So where specifically are you at? We're at 7270 West 118th Place. In Broomfield, we're in Unit A. Um, it's about five blocks west of Main Street and two blocks south of 120th. So I have to ask you, why the name Big Choice? Where, did you, where how did that come about? So Tyler and I were kind of sitting around a couple of evenings and you know figuring out that naming your place is the most difficult thing that you can do. <laughs> yep. Um, because of all the connotations and weird things that can happen. And, you know, our, our purpose at that time was we wanted to make sure that what we wanted out of the brewery was what we got. Um, growing up, going to school at CU in Boulder, you know, there was always a good place to get a good beer, but the vibe might have not been the best that we thought was great. Um, and then there were always places that had a good vibe, but they might not have had the beer that we really enjoyed to drink several places come to mind but uh we won't mention them now <laughs> Good but uh so you know honestly we wanted to make sure that we we made the place that had the beer we like to drink with the music and the atmosphere and the vibe that that we liked sure um and what really kind of sprung up from that is the idea of giving everybody a choice between the, the macro brewed big guys you know coors and anheuser-busch and stuff like that and um and the little guys that would be uh, much akin to like a farmer's market. You know, you go to that place and you're looking at, you know, whether it's just something, a craft that somebody makes or even vegetables from the garden, you know, you there's a good chance you know the people who are going to be growing those vegetables or creating those crafts. And you, you kind of get a hint that, you know, their passion coming into those things. And that's what we kind of want to offer was the passion for, for our flavors and our beer from a local standpoint and not necessarily to overdrive the let's choose local stuff it was just like you know this is we're here in the community we're making mm-hmm. the beer and you know we try and do as much from the community that we can to give back so very cool um the name 
the name kind of came out from the idea of giving people that choice. And because Tyler and I were both mid to late 80s, early 90s skate punks, you know, we were always listening to punk and ska music at that time. And, and one of our favorite bands is a band called Face to Face from Southern California. And their second album um, was an album called Big Choice. Huh. Um, and so it, it kind of fit with, with what we were kind of doing. You know, we wanted to bring our culture into the into the brewing brewery and um, and also the the idea of choice. So that's basically where the the name came from. That's very cool. It's a pretty cool tie between music as well. Um, did you theme anything in your brewery around this punk rock ska skater vibe? You know, aside from aside from the music that we play in the in the tasting room, <clears throat> not necessarily. We were we were a little bit hesitant at first to do too much assimilation with with anything specifically because we were worried that somebody may come back and say hey you're you're not allowed to use any of this stuff or you know associate your brewery with our brand that may be a music brand outside um but we've kind of come to become some friends with some some big name acts that are still around face to face being one of them and you know, we've pretty much got carte blanche to use what we want to now. That's awesome. Now that we've kind of gotten that that association with them and hang out with them, and you know, they were pretty jazzed that we named the brewery after them anyway. So, <laughs> right on. So, tell me a little bit about yourself. When did you start brewing? Well, growing up in Boulder, you know, my parents in the in the early '80s, right after right after it was signed into law, um, started home brewing, and so as a as a preteen, I was helping mom and dad do home brewing things, and you know, getting stuff into the into the pot to boil, and watching the bubbles come out of the airlock. Um, but that was kind of the extent of it. And most of my background, you know, as a as a teenager and into my my career type time frame was um, working in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. Um, almost went to culinary school, um, but I just love playing with flavors. So. Um, when my parents semi-retired about 10 or 11 years ago, they started homebrewing again. And so I kind of got involved at, at our house based on their involvement. And the way I looked at it, it was it's like making a recipe. You know, you get all the, all the key ingredients together and then you make it um, a little bit unique to your, your style and the way you think you want things to taste. Um, and that's that's just kind of how it was born, is just starting home brewing at home from the interest in trying to do it. So you're using kettles on the stove, or did you actually have a system? Um, I started off with one kegel um, and basically did extract in that. Okay. I, I didn't want to do just five gallons because I knew I would drink more than that <laughs> at a time, and I didn't realize how... But cheers to that. How much, uh, how much I would want to drink versus how much I wanted to brew. So we did. we started off with extract brewing. And um, my wife and I made an IPA kit from a kit and turned out fantastic. We thought, you know, man, it's not that it was easy, but it was fun. It was mm-hmm. fun to do, and it, the result made it even more rewarding. So so when did you get into grain? Um, it was probably about three months after we, we started doing extract. My family's had a business um, in the sheet metal industry locally um, for about 35 years, and so having the tools and some resources to my disposal um, it was easier to take kegels and make them into mash tuns and then make them into fermenters and develop my own little 10 gallon brew setup and you know even got it to the point where it was partially automated 
It was a hybrid between electric and propane. So, you know, it, it kind of started as just a big metamorphosis that I think today is still going on. Very cool. So what, what is that? Tell me a little bit about that transition between home brewing and your brewery right now, commercial. Um, I think the biggest challenge was just sticking to the idea that whatever I was doing at home, once I kind of got things dialed in at home with all grain and, and moving things with pumps and stuff like that, was sticking to the idea that whatever I was doing at home had to be something that I could I could look to as a on a bigger scale in the brewery. Sure. And so we we really tried our hardest to dial in recipes and you know all of our water to grist ratios and, and hops and everything like that and and it um, it proved to be very popular with the neighborhood because of all the beer we were making. So <laughs> are you more on the scientific side of things or are you more on the let's play around and experiment? I think I'm a I'm a pretty good balance of both. Um, my my background schooling is more along the mechanical engineering side, so I I love putting things together and taking them apart and figuring out what's going to work better all the time. But then that combined with my intense love of flavor and how things kind of work together, it it really balances out the fact that you know what we want to get as the end result yes we want it to be efficient from the from the rational side of things but then from the experimental side of things we really want it to taste awesome too so sure what style of beer are you guys known for um or do you enjoy brewing i think we're known a little bit more for our hoppier beers okay um but we're also kind of in an underground sense, known for one of our more specialty beers, which is an oatmeal stout infused with poblanos, which we call our number 42 poblano stout, um, which was basically an accident of how it came about. Huh. So, um, What were you going for? <laughs> well, my wife and I were at Great American Beer Festival a few years prior to us opening the brewery, and in sharing time separately with our own friends at the festival, we kind of met up in the middle, and we had had a couple tastes or more and uh she insists that she had tasted a milk stout that she was just absolutely in love with it and i recollect that she tasted an oatmeal stout so when we got home i wanted to brew her a beer that she enjoyed and made just a base oatmeal stout nothing fancy middle of the road type of stuff Mm -hmm. and and that's what we got was a middle of the road type of thing and for me what it lacked was a little bit of sweetness out of there and based on my my background in restaurants and working with some different foods and different flavors i love the polano pepper it's a sweet no heat pepper and uh so we decided to split a batch one time we did five gallons in in each in each container and did half with raspberries obviously being Mm -hmm. a sweet fruit um and then half with poblanos and the neighborhood um test kitchen as i called it um, went through five gallons of the poblano stout in about three days. Wow. And while the raspberries in that were, were still pretty good, mm-hmm. it just did not have the impact that the, the poblanos did. Huh. So we call it the happy accident beer. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. How many of those have you had? How many accidents that were happy? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think we're having one right now. We, <laughs> we always, you know, nothing's ever perfect. If it was, it would be, be pretty boring. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every time that something just doesn't, um, work out right or, or somebody makes an error in something you know you try and look at it is can this be something that we can toy around with sure um, 
I don't think that necessarily we've just stumbled into something that fell all into the kettle like the Poblano did. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're always looking for that. And I think the, the driving force is kind of let let some of it just come instead yeah. of forcing it. I think that, that results in the best thing. So do you guys try to stick to a recipe pretty consistent once you get something, or are you guys kind of always tweaking it? No, our, our core beers, we, we tend to, in fact, we, we insist that we are pretty consistent with that yep. stuff. So with the, the very basic lab ability that we have and some of the, some of the tools that we have in place, we try and get all of the, the standard beers to be as repeatable as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you know, yeast is a living thing. You know, the grains and the hops, all of those things can differ from batch to batch yep. and even from season to season. So um, it's, always, it's always interesting to hear how people will say that things will fluctuate over the year or over the years from different breweries, not necessarily even sure. just us, but in in all in the best efforts that we can, we try and maintain as much consistency as we possibly can, and leave the leave the um, less con, um, year-round beers to a little bit of fluctuation, depending on what we what we have in stock for for hops and grain and trying different yeasts and stuff. How like many that. flagship beers do you have? So we, we traditionally, or we technically have five. Okay. We, have, uh, we have our Hemlock Double IPA. We have our Disconnected Red, which is a red IPA. Our Type 3 IPA, which is an American IPA. And then we have our 10,000 Summers Saison, which is more of, a, more of a lighter type of Belgian farmhouse ale. Um, and then the Poblano Stout. And how many taps do you have? We have eight. And unfortunately, that always seems to be the limiting factor on how adventurous we can be the way our tasting room currently is set up um, our beer lines basically have to go between floors and we designed it to hold um, eight based on the fact of what we could work through the floors to get to the taps and that's kind of been a limiting factor every now and then if we have something that's extra and we think it's pretty cool and we want to bring it out we'll throw a jockey box on the bar and and do that or do some um, test batches and stuff like that but um our tasting room now is, and the brewery has kind of been a means to the, to an end, um, and we're kind of looking forward to our next location here, maybe in the next twelve to twenty-four months. Awesome, um, which will give us a lot more, a lot more tap handles. That's one of the biggest things. Are you kind of seeking um, an area in this, in this city, or do you want to expand out into a different city? Um, with regards to the brewery and the tasting room, we're gonna. We're going to stay local and, and stay in Broomfield. Broomfield's sure. been exceptionally welcoming, welcoming <laughs> to us. <laughs> but uh, everybody's been super great. Um, the, the city itself, of the people that know that we're here, has been ex, you know, just awesome in supporting us. Sure. And so we want to kind of stick around here. With regards to distribution, we definitely want to kind of you know, get everything filled around the metro area, maybe a little bit on the western slope and in the mountains, but then we do want to explore a couple of different markets around the state. Sure. So what are you capable of brewing? Tell me a little bit about your system. So we have a seven-barrel brew house. We have a, an old reused uh, dairy tank for our mash tun, and then our hot liquor tank is basically just a, a storage vessel. Um, we don't have it powered at this point, but um, we have three 30-barrel fermenters, one 30-barrel bright tank, um, one 7-barrel fermenter, and three 7-barrel bright tanks. And basically, with, with that all combined, we, we estimate we have upwards of about 2,500 barrels for an annual production before we would have to get more tanks. Did you start with this many? We did not. 
Um, our original setup was three seven-barrel fermenters and five seven-barrel bright tanks. Oh, so, excellent. So do you have room to expand in this location? Um, we do, um, but I think before we would need to expand here, we will definitely be moved on to a def- uh, different location. Sure. So. so tell me a little bit about a beer that has surprised you as far as sales, maybe flavor, besides your, uh, besides your stout. You know, the seasonal ones definitely have have really um, surprised us. I think we were a bit hesitant to to put a lot of the eggs in those baskets. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just awesome to see how a lot of the community here in Colorado and on the Front Range, they're looking for, for something unique and new all the time. You know, they have their go-tos and they have the beers that they really enjoy all the time. But as long as we can keep something seasonal kind of coming around... It's just amazing how fast they can sell, um, which is, you know, just lets us know that we're doing the right thing and doing a good job. Sure. Has there been one that just kind of s- stuck out? Our Oktoberfest ha- was was the one that we've done since year one okay. and has been a, just a steady, awesome performer each year. We, uh, we traditionally like to um, release the cans a couple of weeks before when true Oktoberfest starts mm-hmm. um, so they can get the get on the shelves and get in people's fridges for that for that time frame and usually um, we're we're out of what we planned for um, a week or two before Halloween so wow. you know we, we anticipate it to running at least till Halloween and in the past couple of years it's ran out a couple of weeks before that so you guys do can but do you guys bottle We'll bottle um, barrel-aged things. Um, we've done... Some more bombers. More bombers. Um, nothing in the 12-ounce bottles. Sure. Just for the same reasons everybody else is talking about nowadays. I mean, in 2008, when we figured that we wanted a can versus bottle, mm-hmm. it was just just becoming popular to the, to the idea of, you know, cans weigh less. They're easier to... More economical to transport, more economical to fill, more economical to recycle. So, you know, for all of those good reasons, plus the sunlight thing and, and yep. all that stuff, plus growing up in this area, Coors in the can, that's what the family drank a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, it's crush it up, throw it in the car whenever you're camping or, or doing your thing and, and bring it home and, and make sure we keep our, our big backyard of Colorado's mountains clean. <laughs> sure. Do you, uh, do you barrel age then? You do barrel age. We do. Um, you don't see anything in here right now because we have a second place across the street. It's about 1,500 square feet, and right now we have uh, eight eight barrels over there. Um, we're filling two today. Um, is that where your canning facility is as well? Uh, no, the canning line is just right behind you. Oh, right we on. We do all yep, that, that over here. Very cool. Um, and then we, we expect to get another four, no, six more barrels in the next two or three weeks. So we'll have about 14 or so just kind of at different different things and different stuff inside them. Sure. So tell me a little bit about your tap room. Um, anything, is there anything special about it? Anything you want you know, our audience to know? And do you guys cater to families, pets? You know, being out in the burbs where we're at, uh, families and pets are a big thing. Yep. Um, we don't kid ourselves in the sense that we're going to be as busy as somebody in, an, in a fantastic lo- location downtown. However, a lot of people enjoy the fact that they can come bring, you know, Junior and, and Fido <laughs> and have them hang out in the tasting room with them. Um, you know, our answer to the fact that we didn't have a real good um, 
place for a patio was the fact that we have an upstairs. And upstairs faces west. It's got some big um, plate glass windows that, that offers a really good view year-round, whether it's good weather out or not. And, you know, I keep getting comments from people. I think the first time I heard it, I was just overwhelmed with joy at the fact that a mom was said, you know, I, I love this place because I can come here. My kids can crayon, use crayons to color the, the books. And and uh, if they start to head fo- towards the one place to get out of here, I just kick them back into play. And <laughs> we keep having our beer. And it, and it feels like it's a comfortable atmosphere for the family stuff. So we're not, we're not huge. We only have a capacity of about 50 people right now. Sure. Um, but we can kind of overflow into the brew house and leave the garage door open on, on nice days like we have actually today. For our audience, for whoever is homebrewing right now, what kind of advice would you give them if they want to take it to that next level? I think consistency, cleanliness, um, those are the two big things that I would push. Um, make sure you're doing the same thing repetitively. Um, unless your, your target is to not make the same beer twice, um, you you got to make sure that at the at the smaller scale it's easy to repeat, sure. um, because you're going to get a lot of people who are like, man, I really love that beer, and either the next time it tastes completely different or enough different that they are like, well, I I don't like it anymore, you know. And and obviously we we don't want to give too much to the fact that maybe one person doesn't like something, but a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. But you you always got those in the back of your mind. So I think consistency is is the big is one of the big things. Being clean, and then um, just know that you're gonna. You're going to work a lot. <laughs> Janitorial, right? <laughs> Janitorial. I am the head janitor, nothing else. But uh, for the first four months when we were open, it was just me. And I ran the tasting room seven nights a week and brewed in the brew house or did things in the brew house six days a week. I was averaging about 115 hours a week for about four and a half months So before we got some help in here. So you're going to work a lot, but it doesn't feel like it because it's your it's your thing it's your baby so as these micro brews start booming because i mean every month they're just it's the industry is growing more and more come out does that how do you see the effects is that does that affect you guys specifically is it a good thing is it a positive you know i always tell people that until we as a as a as an area here on the front range or in the state of colorado in general until we replace more of the liquor stores with bars on the windows no offense to anybody who owns one of those with a distillery or a winery or a brewery i think there's always room for a neighborhood pub something where you can go get you know some whiskey or a nice glass of wine and or a beer but you know it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how things play out as more and more um, breweries open up with a little bit larger banks and look to package and distribute. Um, you know, there's, there is limited shelf space, and while our goal collectively is to reduce the amount of beer on the shelf that may be of the, of the larger breweries um, that take up 80% of what's out there, you know, there's always going to be a demand for a lot of that. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to, you know, who's, who's really putting out, you know, consistent and quality beer and, and making it so the consumer knows that that's what they're getting because they don't want to go in there and, and wonder if they're going to have a great beer from the brewery that they have started to enjoy. They want huh. to know they do. So yep. it'll be interesting. No, thank you for that. And, yeah, thank you for this uh, for this interview, Nathaniel. Is there anything else that I Love Colorado Beer um, and our listeners can do to help you out? What can we do? 
help you out. You know, I think it's just keep going out to the festivals, keep going out to the to the liquor store and buying your favorite craft beer from whether it's from Colorado or from around the nation. Um, you know, the best thing about craft beer, I think, is that a, a large majority have what we were talking about earlier, that passion, that drive to really make a good beer, you know. And so for those people that are doing that, which is a, a majority of them, it's showing through in the beer. And I think that you can't go wrong with trying out some new stuff all the time and, and making sure that the that the folks like us are, are getting the support at the festivals and, and at the at the restaurants that were on tap and buying the cans every now and then from the from the liquor stores. So, you know, I mean growing up here, love the state. I love the fact that we are the state of craft beer. But, you know, let's let's keep it going. Let's keep on the cutting edge and make it happen. Excellent. So there's one last part about this interview that uh, you may or may not be aware of. It's our lightning round questions. So what I'm going to do is I have a list of questions here. You have to answer as fast as you possibly can. And at the end of the year, the brewery with the fastest answers will get a, a prize from I Love Colorado Beer. Okay. So are you familiar with any of these questions? Have you seen any of these questions that I'm about to ask you? No, I have not Perfect. seen Perfect. So then we're totally on fair grounds here. Once I start the clock, keep your answers to a minimum. Okay. One or two you know, words. And if you want to elaborate afterwards, we can go back. Okay. All right. What was the most difficult beer you've ever made and why? The most difficult beer we made was our fresh hop version of our Disconnected Red. And it was just unfamiliar with how fresh hops could affect things at different points in the, in the process. Do you prefer cans or bottles? Cans. What's your favorite beer in the world? Odell's IPA. What is the best brewery in the world? Big Choice Brewing. What's more fun, blondes or reds? Reds. Do you have? Do you enjoy home brewing or commercial brewing? Commercial brewing. How frequently do you have to kick someone out because they are too drunk? About once a month. What's your name? Nathaniel. What's your favorite color? Blue. What's the airspeed philosophy of an unladen swallow? Don't know. In the movie Strange Brew, what did Doug and Bob claim to have found in a beer bottle? Wasn't it a mouse? Correct. 51 seconds. Congratulations. Excellent. Well, thank you, Nathaniel. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate letting us into the brewery. And hopefully everybody will come out. No problem. And, and thank check you. It out. How can we get a hold of you social media-wise? Um, so we're on Facebook, uh, Big Choice Brew, on Twitter. And we're also, I believe it's Big Choice Brew on Instagram. So okay, and your website? Things. Website is www.bigchoicebrewing.com. And, yeah, and all the, all the places you can find our beer is on the website. Excellent. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Nathaniel. Thank you. Thank you. We'd like to give a thanks to Nathaniel with Big Choice Brewing. Remember to stop by and check out their tap room. Listen to other podcasts and buy cool beer gear. I love Colorado beer. Cheers.